Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents Uh-oh. Sports Talk Saturday. Don't tell me. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it on. On WGR. Oh, yeah! Sports Radio 550. Hour number two of Sports Talk Saturday rolling along. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, we're hanging out with you today. And on the West Her Hotline, we have Aaron Quinn of Cover One joining us. Aaron, how are we doing today, my friend? The weather is gorgeous, man. I mean, you're, you're getting me on a positive attitude. I hope you're the same. I hope everyone is in Western <laughs> New York today. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a perfect day. I've got the, all the windows open, garage kicked open, and uh, thanks for having me on, fellas. Looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, real quick, right off the bat, are, are you a schedule release guy where you're, like, doing the puzzle, getting into the nitty-gritty of it, or are you just like, look, I'm there at 8 o'clock, I'll see the schedule when it comes out? Yeah, I'm in 8 o'clock. Let me see it when it's done. We know who they're playing. Um, I get it that some people want to find those advantages early, but yeah, it's all going to get released at the same time. I spend enough time um, doing pretend mock drafts mm-hmm. and being wrong about all that stuff. I don't need to go through another few weeks of it with schedule release stuff, but it is exciting once it comes out to then have the conversations, what matters, how's it look, those types of things. But yeah, I wait till eight. What were your big takeaways from the schedule? I know, I know, for me at least, you know, six primetime games. There was some talk this off season, like are the Bills still a huge draw? But being tied for the lead in terms of primetime games, I mean, that's got to be something. What were your big takeaways? Yeah, I think at the top it starts there. That as much as I love a one o'clock Sunday football kind of guy, but this is sort of the burden that fans of a really good football team have to have, and it is a good reminder that at least whether or not we believe in them or not, I think. The league believes in them, and it shows Vegas when you look at the lines of these games. I know it doesn't matter what the lines are this time of year, but it gives you a good indication of what people uh, outside of the fan base and unbiased people think about the team. And it, it, All indications still point that the Bills are very much a 12-14 to 14 win team. Uh, the darlings of the NFL up there with Kansas City, with Cincinnati, with some of these teams. They're in that top tier. And it's an important reminder, I think, for fans as we ramp up into the offseason process because – that loss still stings, and I think it makes you feel like the team's worse or in a worse spot than they actually are. And So it's good to see some unbiased um, flower shed on the team when this type of stuff comes out. Which, which game, I don't know if the word nervous is correct, but which game are you a little bit more nervous for, Cincinnati or Kansas City? Because Kansas City's off the bye week, but Cincinnati is going to be a lot of emotions given the loss, like you right. mentioned, and you know Demar Hamlin and everything like that. So, which one are you? Yeah. Which one do you think will be more tough on the emotions of the players and things like that? I think Cincinnati right now feels a little bit like the bigger hurdle. While they're both right there, they're both the teams you've got to get over for the hump. The Bills have done that in the regular season with Kansas City a couple times, right? Like where you really want to beat Kansas City is a playoff game, and same with Cincinnati, but. You haven't had that chance. Obviously, the game got canceled last year. We didn't know how that – or first it got postponed, then canceled. So you don't know how that plays out. And then really, I think that loss against Cincinnati, for whatever the reasons, right, we can talk about why the team looked the way 
they did. But that was one of the worst losses in the Sean McDermott era in terms of just the way a team physically dismantled you. And so I think they have a lot to show on that one. To me, that's the one that circled the highest. But I've got another take sort of about the schedule. It's not so much a game that I'm worried about or not, but there's a stretch that always seems to happen for the Bills. And I feel like everybody knows about it right around October. And I think it starts around that Dolphins game uh, in Buffalo October 1st and runs right through that Cincinnati game where they always seem to be slumping right during this time between October, November, for whatever the reason is, whether it's defense, offense, Allen, whatever's going on. And there's some tough games in there and there's some ones that they shouldn't drop. Like that's probably the stretch where there's the games that you really should handle bunched in between the Dolphins and the Bengals. And that's what scares me probably the most about the schedules. Can they overcome these weird slumps that happen every fall? There's night football, Tampa Bay at home. Billsy lost this year, maybe. I'm oh, not saying it. I don't want to say that. I'm not trying to say it, but it's <laughs> right. That's when the schedule came out Thursday. I looked at that game and went, "Oh, that's going to sting." Like I can just, I can feel it coming in my bones. I don't want it to, but you know, Jacksonville against Urban Meyer, Zach Wilson, the Jets last year. Like I, I feel like there's going to be that one loss where we're going to look back on and go, "The hell was that? What, what happened there?" And it, They're it, for sure going to have a stinker to some of they shouldn't, right? Absolutely. It's, it's expected this year, but, I mean, they still finish with 11, 12, 13 wins. You, you, yeah. you, you can't be too mad about it. But another big takeaway for me, Aaron, the 425 games. Buffalo mm-hmm. has never been a team that traditionally plays a 425. They're on the East Coast. I mean, that's never been their thing. What do you make of the end of the season? Effectively, no 1 o'clock games. They have one Sunday, December 31st against New England. The rest is either 8 o'clock or 425s after that Cincinnati game. Yeah, I think this is just our going to be our new norm while Josh Allen is playing at the levels that he's at. The league, you know, there's less spots in those time slots, and they're going to want to put on the best performances uh, or the, what they believe are going to be those best matchups. So it's we enjoyed it through the drought era. That was probably the only benefit of being a drought era fan was you had the consistency of 1 o'clock football in your life. But, uh, again, I will swap that consistency and loving 1 o'clock football for having a team that is projected to have this type of success year in and year out. And if that means boosting my tailgate a little bit longer and having more of a dinner than a lunch, then so be it. So moving away from the schedule a little bit, what are your thoughts on this year's rookie class, given it's a few weeks away from the draft now, and Mm. especially Dalton Kincaid? Yeah, this one for me is so interesting because I really think the adding a pass-catching weapon really should probably be celebrated almost universally for the Bills. I feel like the media has, and I don't, I'm not always in agreement with the national media, but you have Daniel Jeremiah, Greg Cosell, just all these folks who I trust. And they, that's where I generate a lot of my own uh, draft opinions from. And they're all saying like, Oh man, you're giving Josh Allen the best pass-catching weapon in the draft. Like that's almost not fair. It's sort of the way people talked about Kansas city getting weapons in the past, right? Like, Oh, you can't give this kind of weapon to uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, there's this conversation of, is he really a tight end? Did we need two tight ends? Those types of things. And I'm glad Brandon Bean has gone out ahead of it. If people haven't seen the embedded series, you know, how he explains why they went and got him and, and the value they had on this player and what they perceive his role in this offense is going to be, at least on paper, that sounds really exciting. Now, the conversation that's concerning is, can Ken Dorsey use them? Can they utilize these players in the offense? But my argument's been that's true about any receiver they brought in, any any running back, any of these skill position guys they have on the roster. Utilization is going to be the question. That pressure's on Dorsey either way. So I don't think it should ever prevent you from getting those weapons. So I'm real excited there. And then just the value of Osiris Torrance in the second round just feels like a really good value. We had Kevin Cole 
of unexpected points on uh, cover one Buffalo this week. And he did it. He just said the value, whether or not that relates to success or not, will be determined in years. But the value of that pick and where you got it is one of the best of this draft class. So overall top end, it was great. Obviously there's a lot of controversy over the Dorian Williams pick. That's one we're going to have to play out. It's probably the most anticipated battle this summer going into camp is what happens at middle linebacker. So We'll know a little bit more about that here in the next couple of months here uh, as we get into August. But overall, this draft class seems pretty good to one of the already better teams with a lot of depth. You've added some high-end talent at some really positions that need. You needed a pass catcher. I think everyone just expected wide receiver, and there's a tight end next to the guy's name. You brought up Dorian Williams there, and, and I know the night he was drafted on, on that Friday, it was very much a big head-scratching pick. You kind of, yeah. in a sense, drafted that guy last year in Terrell Bernard. What are what are you making of that pick now a few weeks you know, after the fact? Is it still kind of a head-scratcher? Did you like it the night of? Where are you sitting with that pick? Well, it's a tough year to lose Tremaine Edmonds, you know, if we're being frank. And I think the Bills weren't really – fully prepared to be in that position. I do think they wanted to retain Tremaine and that was probably plan number one. And then they had to go to some other plans. Free agency was really not fantastic year to be looking for one. Levante David was probably your best option. He ended up going back to Tampa Bay. Uh, he did say the bills tried contacting him. Not sure how far that went, but there wasn't a lot of talent. And then linebacker, the draft was really weird. You know, there was a lot of Jack Campbell links to the Bills. Obviously, if he goes 18, that we don't even know if the Bills would have been in on him or not. So you don't know there. And then my whole thing with that draft was it was really Jack Campbell or nobody fit in terms of uh, impact player for 2023 that's going to replace Tremaine Edmonds with any type of real uh, ceiling was going to be Jack Campbell. Anything else was a project, something that's going to take years. And you already had that in Bernard. So going to Dorian Wounds in the third, I don't mind the investment. I think it doubles down on making an investment there and drafts kind of a 50-50 and the lower in those rounds you get, it, the, the odds of those picks panning out go down. So having two of them, it doesn't disrupt what you're trying to do. They can both contribute to special teams. I think the plan for Bernard was to back up Milano and keep Edmonds full time. Obviously, uh, business got in the way. That didn't work out. And now you have two players that you're not totally sure can be middle linebackers, but I think with some changes that are now coming without Leslie Frazier being the defensive coordinator and going to a more aggressive, traditional Sean McDermott-style defense might favor a little bit these undersized linebackers that are better blitzers and aren't necessarily just taking up space and coverage like Tremaine was. Staying with the defense, we did see Zadaria Smith get moved from the Vikings last night, going to the Cleveland Browns. Do you expect the Bills to keep adding to the defense? We know they add Puna Ford late in free agency, but a name that keeps popping up was Zadaria Smith, Yannick Ngakwe. Like, do you think there's a there's more to do here for the Bills, or do you think this might be the team that they go into camp with? I will never count out Brandon Bean making a move if one's presented to him, you know, or him sniffing around these moves. He did talk about in, uh, I think it was in the embedded episode or one of his press conferences recently uh, that there is still maybe that need that they will add as a uh, edge rusher type guy. You just don't know until something comes available. Uh, I could see a trade happening where uh, one of these expiring deals like as a Darius Smith, there's a lot of those out there and teams are going to move on as the season comes or as rookies, you know, develop out throughout camp. So We'll hear the Bills link to a lot of these names, but I do think things are getting a little bit tighter right now. You're going to have to start. If you're going to make a move like that, you know, you'd have to have Greg Thompson on to really get into the cap ramifications. But I do think then you have to start extending a Deion Dawkins or getting into some of these other Trey White contracts. And 
Bean is probably willing to do that for the right player and the right impact, but I don't know that he wants to get into that unless something real special comes available for him. So looking around the AFC East now, obviously a lot of teams in the offseason make additions and things like that, one of them not being the Patriots, who who I didn't think really did that much. Where does this put the Bills in terms of the AFC East? Do you think they're still contenders, or do you think it's still their division with the addition of Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? It's kind of looking like a toss-up maybe, I mean, on paper at least. What do you think? Yeah, I'm torn because uh, the non-quantitative answer for me is like, you know, the, the team that's won it a few years in a row is the champs until proven otherwise, right? And they've they've had a pretty nice little run here over the last few years with this AFC East, but you're right. Uh, and again, this is why we had Kevin Cole of Unexpected Points on the podcast, Unexpected Points on the podcast this weekend, because he talked about the, um, the values of what you lost and what you gained in the offseason for teams. And the Jets were at the top of his graph with a huge gain. And obviously that is what is expected when you're going to have going from Zach Wilson to Hall of Fame Aaron Rodgers, even if he's not his, uh, a shell of his former self you're still getting a better quarterback than the Jets have had. And everyone universally at the end of the season was saying, man, if there's two teams out there, right, the Jets and the Lions, and if either one of them got decent quarterback play, that they're real contenders. And so I think even though we're fans of the Bills and hate the Jets, we have to be somewhat honest with ourselves that this is a really good team. They have closed the gap. How much, I don't know. I think it's very close, but I I am still going to give the Bills right now the slight edge just because of continuity, they have it in the building. They've been doing it for a few years now. I think they've, they've been through the struggle, through some of the humps. So I think that gives them the edge of uh, a team that uh, has been through some big battles together. But this, this Jets seems real on paper, and they are going to be a pain for the Bills. And so is Miami. You know, I think there's more and more confidence coming out that Tua is going to be their quarterback, right, and, and that they're confident in that. He's going to stay healthy. That's a real uh, threat to the Bills. They gave the Bills probably the hardest time last year. And so the, the AFC East is definitely tighter than it's been, but until the Bills are, are beat and proven that they're not the champs, I'm going with that team. Uh, they're Like I said, they're projected to win 13, 14 games here. That, to me, signifies that Vegas is also in favor of them winning the AFC East still. Who do you prefer of those those two other teams? I think I think the three of us all agree New England's probably going to finish fourth in the AFCs. But in terms of the Jets in Miami, like which team do you think is actually the biggest threat, or or has propelled themselves into potentially an AFC contender here? You know, everything Andy says it's it's got to be the Jets. I like Mike McDaniel. I think he's a smart offensive coach. Um, I think Robert Sala is probably a better head coach. Maybe runs a better full program. I still believe defense matters, especially winning regular season games. I think that still matters, too, to get to the spot you want to be in in the season. Uh, so I think they've got the edge there, just in personnel on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I see offensive line as a big weakness for them, but I do believe that they can scheme some of that out and not let Rodgers take some of the big hits. But that's going to be a tough team defensively to, to scheme up against. They've got a lot of talent. Uh, Aaron Schatz of uh, Football Outsiders, the one thing he brings up is, how healthy they were last year was a little bit of an anomaly, and that's going to be difficult for them, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to keep the health that they had last year. So maybe not expect the high-end production they had, but it's still going to be a tough defense and a good scheme with good players. I want to jump back to the schedule real quick. The Detroit Lions get the opening night game against Kansas City. Do you think that you know they were kind of, I don't want to call them the stars of the draft, they were like more of the main character of Twitter for a day, which we all know was a bad thing. 
But, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they, they take Jameer Gibbs, they take Jack Campbell. But like, like, do you think the Lions could be like that team? I've seen some people compare them to like the 2019 Cleveland Browns where there's a lot of good feelings about them, but maybe they don't necessarily reach that potential. Where do you sit with the Lions, especially that opening night game against Kansas City? Well, their division's wide open, right? For the first time in 20 years, there isn't a dominant quarterback that's keeping some bad teams down. Uh, Minnesota's probably the favorite. I haven't looked at the odds there, but... That's a fun team to me, and I like what Dan Campbell's doing. I get why people laughed at them in the draft. I understand it doesn't make sense with any of the analytics, any of the charts. I won't lie. There's there's a little part of me that if you believe in guys and you think they're the guys for you, like it, you're, if you have that conviction, take them. And it seems like that's their mode of operation right now. The big question for them is they did not do what the Jets did in terms of fixing that quarterback position. Like I just said, there was two teams at the end of the year that you love these rosters, but you need a little bit better than what they were getting at quarterback. And I don't know that the Lions necessarily have done enough to improve to get that quarterback play to where it needs to be. Maybe some of these additions will help, but it's it's a team that is definitely their division is wide open for them. So I give, I think gives them the best chance for a long time and Lions fans should be happy. They have not had a lot to be happy for. It's probably been one of the most poorly run franchises in sports uh, over the last 20 years. And so being a team that's ascending and being talked about well and being on the national spotlight, you know, I'm happy for them. But Bill, most Bills fans should be these Rust Belt cities that have been kicked down and, and have had bad teams. We should root for that. It would be great to see, Lions make a deep playoff run or a Bills Lions Super Bowl, something like that, and let these smaller cities get some shine. So, this uh, article I'm looking at was updated May 1st, but it has the Lions as the favorite to win the NFC North. See, there so, you go. There you go. Um, real quick, one last thing. How do you feel about the Bills and the AFC as a whole? Obviously, with Cincinnati and yeah. Kansas City, there's still, like you said before, there's still that hump they have to get over. But mm-hmm. do you still think they could finish top two, even in first in the AFC? I do. I really do. I think we have to be fair, and it's Kansas City is at the top of that AFC right now. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, but the Bills and Cincy are right there. I think there's a couple teams that are really nipping at the heels of them. I think Jets are one of them. Chargers, maybe people were a year behind on them still. But there's some up-and-coming teams. Maybe Baltimore can write some of the ship. I know there's been a little bit of turmoil internally there, but there's a lot of talent on that roster if they can turn some things around. But the AFC's got some stuff. Uh, Jacksonville, that game in London is not going to be a joke. Like it was the last time we played them. That will be a real team you're going up against now. So the AFC's real stacked. It's a tough time to be at the top of it because everyone's coming for you. They want that one, two, three seed. Uh, that you've had for the last few years. And so it's going to be a tougher road for the Bills, but it's still those three teams are very much, in my opinion, at the top uh, until, again, proven otherwise. Aaron, before we let you get out of here and enjoy the great weather, what do you guys got cooking over at Cover One? You did mention the podcast, but I, you know we got mini camp going on right now. Training camp, it feels like, is right around the corner. You guys got anything going on now for the rest of the offseason? Absolutely. Every day knew we it, have. Knew it. <laughs> Yeah, every day we have shows coming for you guys. Uh, Go over to the YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe over there. There's somebody on every single day. Plus, Eric is constantly grinding. If you haven't seen it yet, I hope you have. He did a great breakdown on uh, Dalton Kincaid and the projected usage for him in the offense. It's a fantastic video. Really well done. Uh, that's that's one that everybody should consume. But you'll expect more of that as we get into mini camps, as we get into training camp. What we learn about the changes on the defensive side, some of the changes that Ken Dorsey, the 12 personnel, the wrinkles. 
Uh, there's no better place than Cover One, Eric Turner, the film room. Uh, they will have you covered of what to expect from the Bills here going forward with all these new changes. Fantastic. Aaron, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I hope we get to talk again soon. Hey, appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the day. That was Aaron Quinn over at Cover One. You heard it there, too, at the end. I mean, the Dalton Kincaid stuff. And I think that's where me and Josh want to take the next little bit here. And just, I, I, Josh, I like the pick when it was made. Because I thought potentially that Michael Mayer, the tight end of Notre Dame, could have been the Bills pick. I always thought tight end was potentially on the Bills docket. I really, really did. But the more I hear from Kincaid and the more I hear Bean talk about what they project in Kincaid, I I, re, I just I I really really like what I'm envisioning in that Bills offense that he is really honestly just going to be another offensive weapon that they truly do see him as the best hands in this draft I think it, you know Aaron brought it up on the Bills Embedded series which you can find on YouTube um, I, I'm blanking on the scout's name but he said that it's the best hands he scouted in eight years on Kincaid regardless of position the best hands he has scouted and that was something that last year the Bills outside of Diggs did not have guys consistently catching passes whether it be Isaiah McKenzie in the slot, Gabe Davis is the number two, really even Dawson Knox much of his career as a tight end, they needed those consistent hands. And now you get Kincaid going into that slot position, realistically that slot position as as the flex tight end, I just I, I'm envisioning a lot of what he can do for this Bills team. He doesn't need to be that traditional tight end of block first, receive second. He seems to be a guy of we're going to teach him on a block, but while he's learning to do that, he's going to be a I really do believe a mainstay on this offense right from the get go. Well, yeah, and I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about the whole two tight end system, but I think that the Bills should really test that out this year, test the waters on that, especially like in the preseason. Um, I know teams usually don't go. Full, full in. Yeah, they won't. The they won't show exactly but, what they want to do. But at the same time, I really do think they need to test the waters on that because I, I think that could be a big advantage for an offense that kind of needs a spark. I think it, that it the needs Bills a spark, offense, yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, it's a team that needs to do the short game better. Yes, like yep. absolutely. You don't have Cole Beasley, and that has stung for really the last two years. Even when Cole was on the team near the end, mm-hmm. where you know, his body was just giving up on him. Isaiah it McKenzie just, could have been your Cole Beasley. Could they were hoping, been, I think. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. I mean, we all loved Isaiah McKenzie off the field. He was a great, such a character, one of my favorite personalities of all time for the yes. Bills. But absolutely, easily, ultimately, an athlete has to perform on the field, and mm-hmm. you can't keep a guy just because he's a good personality. But I think eventually maybe a guy like Khalil Shakir could take that spot. But if Dalton Kincaid can produce right now in that sort of, like you said, flex tight end position of like a a slot wide receiver, but he's a tight end, Mm -hmm. do it. I'm all in. Why not do it? If it's going to work. And and again, like if if this really is like a guy that has maybe the best hands the Bills have scouted in eight years and and all that stuff, I think it would be be malpractice to not get him on the field right away. I I just, I like what Brandon Bean is saying about him. I like everything I'm hearing from the national media and these guys that that scout college players year round for a full time job like the Daniel Jeremiah's, the Mel Kuypers of the world, you know, talking about how he was a top 15 player in this draft in a draft class that didn't have a ton of guys. And, and along with that, too, I think the Bills got a little bit lucky in the sense that he had a back injury all of this offseason where he could not participate in the combine and pro days and stuff like that and workouts. And now he was able to fall to the Bills at 25. They were able to trade up two spots with Jacksonville to go get him. And I just, I'm loving everything I'm hearing about it. But we're going to take a quick timeout. We are taking your calls at 803-0550. How do you want the Bills to use Dalton Kincaid? And how do you think? They will use Dalton Kincaid in this rookie year. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Talk Saturday rolls along. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt hanging out with you until 2 o'clock today. We're talking some bills now as we transition. We just had Aaron Quinn over at Cover One on the station. If you want to hear that, you can find that on our website, WGR550.com, or on the Odyssey app in the demand audio section. And we were talking a little bit about Bill's minicamp and coverage of Bill's rookie camp on WGR. It's brought to you by Eminem. You pull it less money for your parts and more money for your car. We were talking a little bit right before we went to break there. You know, how do you want Dalton Kincaid to be used? He is kind of the hot-button topic right now of that Bills draft class, maybe outside of Dorian Williams, the third-round linebacker out of uh, Tulane. But Kincaid really, especially with with Dawson Knox just getting signed to a new deal last offseason and now grabbing Kincaid in the first round, we, we put it up to Twitter, you know, where, where do you think the Bills are going to use him, and how do you want the Bills to use him? We're also taking your calls at 803-0550, but just two uh, tweets that we got in here. Todd says, the same way the Chiefs do with Travis Kelsey. I think yes. that's, that's been a big one. Yes. I know that's been a big one since, really, you know, Kincaid's been drafted. Use him as a receiver. Use him as the main go-to easy weapon that Josh has. I think you have that already in Stephon Diggs is like sort of that very much trusted weapon of, of Allen. But if you can add a second one in there, especially with Diggs, not necessarily, I don't want to say getting up there in age, but we're probably two or three years away from really having that discussion of should the Bills maybe think about moving on. Travis Kelsey, 6'5". Dalton Kincaid, 6'4". They're the same build. Same build, same... Looks to be kind of similar hands and play style almost. I mean, if... Kincaid can catch and run just mm-hmm. like Kelsey can. Why not use him like that? Well, we will see. I mean, now, here's the thing with Kelsey. Did not play his rookie year. He got knee surgery, I think, in training camp or rookie camp. Regardless, he did not play his rookie year. His first full year in the league, 11 games started, 87 targets, 67 catches, 862 yards, and 5 touchdowns. He is just, I think he actually maybe held the record before Kyle Pitts broke it for a rookie tight end in... Uh, receptions. Kyle Pitts holds that with 68. He had just over a thousand yards. I think Kelsey though is probably the main sort of like look at the template, try to formulate that as as much as you can. Kelsey, of course, though maybe he's the greatest tight end of all time and has really been a main weapon for the Chiefs even before Mahomes got there with Alex Smith. He was a stud well, and, tight end and there. Before think that. about think about what that could do for the Bills' offense. That gives it a whole new dimension. Absolutely, that's literally like. It, It'd literally be like a copy-paste of the Chiefs, almost. It, it opens up the middle of the field more, which is a thing that they, they, the Bills just have not had, especially with Dawson Knox, who uh, we had somebody else tweeting, uh, Austin, dual tight end set, open up Knox more, as well as Kincaid proves to be a gamer. Knox is more an outside tight end. He is not a guy that works the middle of the field. Kincaid is that guy. If right, you but can if, open up the middle of the field, that opens up Knox, obviously, and Diggs as well, which I think has really, I mean, that helped, obviously, the Chiefs before with Tyree Hill and the speed that he had. But you saw it this year with how many kind of like eh receivers they had. It allowed them all to work more on one-on-ones because you had to double Kelsey. You had to. I think they can open up everybody else. But I think you're right, Josh. Like that is definitely 
uh, maybe not necessarily a carbon copy of Kansas City, but it is taking a template that has really, really worked the past few years. Right. I mean, why not? You don't want to just copy someone else. But if it's working for them, which it clearly is, why not just do the same thing they're doing? They're your biggest opponent. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kansas or uh, Cincinnati. Sure, they're coming on. They're they're becoming something, and it's and they have beaten you in the playoffs. Right. So it's now clear that, that you need to you need to beat them. But who beats them consistently? Kansas City. Well, maybe not consistently. I was going to say actually. I'm like thinking about. It. I'm like eh, actually Cincinnati kind of has their number a little not, bit. Not consistently, but it's gone back and forth. now. It, it has, but it's gone back it's and forth. It's proven that Kansas City system and Kansas City's personnel can beat them. Wins more consistently. Right. So, not necessarily copy their play style and things like that, but copy their personnel. Do what they do, do it your way. Because get you, the people you, you they have, have the hardest part done. Right. You have your quarterback. Mm-hmm. You have your. I mean, your defense is pretty good. It was spotty last year, but especially come the playoffs, right? But it's it's all right. You know. Yeah, I think absolutely. And you know, my my thing with Kincaid, I I was a big fan of the pick before, mainly because I wanted Mayer. But I think really, when you look at if, if the Bills had drafted Mayer. That is much more of the standard, all right, let's see what happens here. It's going to take more time to transition him to the NFL. That's Tight end especially has been that position that people really look to and go, hey, it takes some time for them to kind of come along and be in the NFL. I would say a lot like quarterback in that sense, too, of don't expect great things year one. If it happens, wonderful, but it just doesn't happen all that often. Quarterback is kind of transitioned to more. You do expect good things in year one. Tight end still kind of lingering a bit there but the way the bills have talked about Kincaid I mean this is what like this is where I'm talking about I really think the bills are going to use him quite extensively to open up the year and namely because they're just going to have him be the receiver they're going to have him do what he does well which is be a receiver and should he help blocking yes I don't need that right now we can take time on that to kind of get where we need to be. The Bills, I think, again, have the hardest part done. They have their superstar, potentially future Hall of Fame quarterback in Allen set, ready to go, and you're on the and you're on the move. Kincaid can add, I think, that just that little bit more on the offense's rookie year, opening up the middle of the field that can really take the Bills offense, which is already great. It is already spectacular. But to be more efficient and really in the red zone as well, get more out of that. We are going to go to the phones though, real quick, where we've got Matt on a cell who wants to call in. Matt, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday, my friend. How are we doing? Hey, what's going on? Oh, not too much. Weather's great. I'm in a fantastic oh, mood. Man. You aren't lying. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, you you look at the Bills' offense and all of the detractors saying, oh, they can't run the ball, the offensive line's bad, um, they've got nobody outside of digs, and mm-hmm. yet they're the second or third best offense in the NFL, like, consistently over the last two or three years. Um, adding Kincaid has to be literally terrifying for other teams. Um because you look at saying all of that stuff, but you still can't stop Josh Allen, and now you're giving them a weapon that's going to create basically matchup nightmares for the other teams where no matter what they do, they're going to be wrong. Um, it, it literally could make the Bills' offense unstoppable to a point where people are looking at it and be like, I can't believe like how good this, they, they become and how good Allen is. Absolutely. Because I think what people are forgetting is that they keep saying, oh, Allen, blah, blah, blah. Like, Hurts is better than Allen. Burrow's better than Allen. If you took what Allen is being asked to do and asked one of those other quarterbacks to do it outside of Mahomes, it would be like a drastic drop in their production. 
because nobody outside of Mahomes is asked to do what Allen is. I don't even think Mahomes is asked to do what Allen is. He has the best offense coordinator maybe in NFL history designing plays and getting people wide open for him on a lot of plays where he doesn't need to have, like, a, a spectacular play. He gets a lot of easy answers more so than Allen does, where it's basically like Allen looks to throw to digs or, like, someone open, and if not, he's expected to make a spectacular play. And that's if he's not running from his life from an offensive line that gives up quick pressure. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Thanks for the call, man. And and, that, and that's my thing too. Like that's it opens up that new dimension now. And Matt's point too is well, what, what Allen's asked to do with the Bills, I fully agree on. I don't necessarily know if anyone's saying like Hurts is a better quarterback. Burrow, I think, has gotten a little bit here, but Burrow also, you know, quietly has really never had a great playoff performance. Allen has two historic ones to his resume and has won pretty consistently in the playoffs since coming in. He lost his first playoff game against Houston. After that. We've had at least a win every single year in the playoffs that Allen's been here. But when when you look at, at, at guys like Burrow and like Hertz, you look at the offensive rosters they have, they are exceptional. Burrow doesn't have the greatest offensive line, but what they did to kind of augment that is just get the ball out of his hands quick. Just just get the ball out of his hands quick, and then them, you know, to Brandon Bean's words, I guess, when he was talking about it, they sucked enough to get Jamar Chase. They get him. There's already that connection with Burrow. That was great. But they already had T. Higgins. They had Tyler Boyd. They had Joe Mixon. Like, they had a lot of talent there. To Hurts' point, I love Jalen Hurts. There also may not be a better constructed team in the NFL than the Philadelphia Eagles. Great offensive line, a really smart run game, and they added A.J. Brown after already having Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. Like, that is a great, great team that allowed him to do a lot. And and to Matt's point as well, it was kind of Allen to Diggs or Allen make a crazy play. Allen is the do-it-all guy of the NFL. He may not be the best quarterback in the NFL. I probably would still give it to Mahomes. But in terms of who has to do the most for his team to win, Allen absolutely is number one. And if you can add just that one more piece, it didn't need to be a receiver, and I'm kind of glad it wasn't. We talked endlessly from basically January to the draft on April 27th, this wide receiver class was not good. And it was sort of people were trying to find somebody to be the good one. Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Like, everyone was desperately trying to find that guy, and they couldn't. Maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba is, maybe Zay Flowers is. I don't know. But everything I'm hearing afterwards, and Matt brought up in the beginning of his call, is every draft expert that was looking at this pick went, how in the hell could the NFL allow Dalton Kincaid to wind up in Buffalo? Because it's exactly the need the Bills needed. A guy that's going to work the middle field, consistent, if not great hands, and is seems to be a physical freak. He had 16 catches against USC. 16 on 16 targets. And he really only had one year of production. Like Outside of that, he was kind of like iffy throughout college, and then it just kind of all flashed. Like it, just, it all hit him in his in his last year at Utah, and he exploded onto the scene. And now everyone's talking about him as like a potential. The the way I talked about it, me and Bulldog talked about it, maybe you know a week ago. He's one of the few Bills players I can remember they drafted that had the word special next to him, or has the potential to be special. They've typically drafted a lot of guys who can they can do a lot of things pretty well, but nothing great. Kincaid feels like the guy that they said screw that mindset. What can what what can he do great? Beautiful. We're just going to use that. We'll coach everything else up. Because if you believe in your coaching staff, which they did when they drafted Allen, grab the things they can do great and just make everything else kind of try to catch up to that. But take advantage of what they do great. And that's what they're doing with Kincaid. The dude's got great hands and is a great route runner. Can he block? No. We'll figure it out. I love that. I love that mindset. 
Well, that's what I was saying before with if you do a, a dual tight end set, you can have Dawson Knox be your blocker if you need it. I'm not saying you eliminate him immediately or eliminate him totally from mm-hmm. a, a pass-catching aspect, but you can have him make up for what Dalton Kincaid lacks in blocking, I think. And they did add pieces to the O-line, so you know you, you already improved there with Connor McGovern. And it's just, I think, I, I, I just don't think there's any way they could go wrong with this, aside from not using him as a pass-catching target. That's the only exactly. thing they can do wrong. That, that is my one fear, and, and it's, it's, this, Ken Dorsey has to hit. He has to do this right. He did not earn a lot of favors with Bills fans, and I think even the Bills themselves, with his play calling, especially late in the season, if he can't figure out a way to get Kincaid on the field, I don't know how he survives this year. Well, because well, Be- because Beans put a lot of pressure out there with the whole we need a pass catching running back, and they never use him, and now he's going to get a tight end for the hands. If they don't use him, what are we doing here? Well, let's think about it this way. I I remember I said this a few times with you last year off the air. It was. Let's think back to Brian Dable's first year as the Bills' offensive coordinator. I know it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. How good was it? It it was it was middle of the road. Yep. Like it was it was you, you, there were bright spots and there were really bad spots. Oh yeah. It's gonna take time. He is just like a player. It takes time for them to get in the groove, get the people they want, and build up how build their schemes how they want to build it because if they don't have if Ken Dorsey didn't have the right personnel last year his systems aren't going to work so i think this offseason has shown that they went out and got guys that Ken Dorsey can use well that and that's the thing too with Ken Dorsey Hopefully. he played a lot of 12 personnel when he was at Miami a mm-hmm. lot of tight yep. end usage when he was there now the way Brandon Bean has described this or maybe not Bean but a lot of people is that it's going to be 11 and a half is that Kincaid really should not be looked at as a sole tight end. He really should be used as a pass-catching weapon, which is where the 12 personnel doesn't really work out well. But 11.5, again, like this is the thing. I feel like when they were going to get Kincaid, it sounded like, at least from the Bills Embedded series and even being talking with the media afterwards, it sounded like Kincaid was kind of the pipe dream. Like, that'd be sweet if he fell, but let's find out. Let's see what happens. And now that he did, and now that he's there, I really, I just, I, I have to imagine they had a plan in place for him that when they got him, boom, we know how we want to use him, and and we'll and we'll see if that sticks. We'll see if that's where it goes. But for right now, I'm excited. I love the pick the night of because I, I thought tight end was a potential, and I didn't really like any of the wide receivers. And now that I've heard more about Kincaid, I've seen more about Kincaid. I am really, really loving it. We are going to take a quick timeout here. We are still taking your calls at 803-0550. How do you want the Bills to use Dalton Kincaid, and how do you think they will use Kincaid? We'll be right back after a quick timeout. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday with Zach Jones and Josh Schmidt, and this is WGR. You know, overall, good job. He'll be a sponge, and it'll look easier and easier for him once he gets in with the vets starting next week. Bills general manager Brandon Bean from earlier in the week for Bills rookie camp talking about first-round pick Dalton Kincaid. His first day of practice was yesterday. Looked pretty smooth, playing against nobody, you know, but ran rounds clean, didn't drop a pass that didn't go around on the internet, so I guess that's a positive. We're going to go to the phones real quick here. We got Gary in Batavia hanging out. Gary, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday, my friend. How are we doing today? Good, yourselves? Oh, the weather's gorgeous. I'm in a great mood, Gary. I am in a fantastic mood. Absolutely. First of all, I'm probably not the biggest Ken Dorsey fan. Mm-hmm. My opinion or last year was here to those that are expected to go to the show and you're bringing in a rookie OC. Wasn't a real big fan of that. 
Um, secondly, this offseason, what I thought was interesting was the addition of Mike Shula. And when reading up on him, how he likes to use tight ends, I thought that was really interesting because they probably didn't get the most out of Knox last year. Now you're bringing in Kincaid, and I'm thinking that might put a little bit more pressure on Dorsey this year because if he's not living up to par, he might have a short time here in Buffalo. Gary, thanks for the call, my man. And, and yeah, I would I would agree with that. I, I made that point kind of quick, but at, at the last uh, the last segment, th- this feels like Ken Dorsey's final stand, and which is weird because because you brought it up that like he was a rookie OC last year, but rightfully you know th- this team doesn't really have the feeling of oh they're up and coming they'll get there in a few years like this team feels ready made now that they should be in the Super Bowl window now and I think what really hurt a lot of us too is Brian Dable left Buffalo iffy with the fans I think a lot of fans wanted him both gone but also you know weren't necessarily against you know Dable leaving and or staying it was very 50-50 but you saw him in New York with the Giants and really changed the the trajectory of that franchise and then Ken Dorsey really after the first few weeks kind of be less than great it 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 did hurt but that's the thing is like you you do see guys like Mike Shula coming in as the senior offensive assistant for the Bills and like you just hope that him guys like Joe Brady as well who are the quarterback coach that it's 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 an overall room kind of working with Dorsey because you're right he's a rookie or he was a rookie and now you've got to hope to get the most out of this group because if not I think it's a short window for a lot of these guys now with me personally though if Dorsey is fired you know midseason it you know if that happens I would like to see Joe Brady go up I was so excited about that hire for what he did at LSU that year with Joe Burrow where he threw 60 touchdown passes Justin Jefferson Jamar Chase. Um, Terrace Marshall as well, if if you'll have him. He's on Carolina now, but they were a great team. I think if, if it has to happen, and I hope it doesn't, I really do hope he hits because I was a huge fan of Ken Dorsey being elevated. I mean, he was kind of the guy that everyone knew was going to come up once Dable was gone. I hope it works out, but if it doesn't, I do think they have another guy right there that can make it work. We're going to go over to Gary in Fredonia as well before we hit a timeout. Gary, welcome to the Sports Talk Saturday. How are we doing, my friend? Real good, thanks. Um, I've been watching highlights of Shorter and he just seems so good. I mean, he catches everything. Did they? Why didn't they throw him more in college? Is there something I'm missing? Uh, were there some other issues that kind of being related to he's not a robot type thing? What am I missing? Because that guy looks awesome. And I do think the Bills improve themselves a lot more than what they're giving them credit for in the draft. Yeah, Gary, thanks for the call. I agree with that as well. I, I think the Bills have absolutely had a great offseason. They really didn't have a huge negative at any position. You can you can talk about Tremaine Edmonds, but I think that for a lot of fans that was sort of expected, and there just really wasn't a middle linebacker they could grab up real quick. They're going to hope, I think, maybe a Dorian Williams or even a Terrell Bernard can take that spot, but we'll see. And even then, they still have guys like Matt Milano. They have a semi-good linebacking room that can kind of maybe you know make it work for the year, but I like what they did. On Justin Shorter, though, Talk to Anthony Richardson as well. They didn't throw the ball very much at Florida. That was not a great offense to get the most out of their players. But shorter, athletic freak. I think runs in the four fives, six four. At, you know, in his uh, rookie or in his uh, freshman uh, class, he was the number one receiver in the class. There's talent there. I just I think it kind of came down to he was hurt, didn't really go to a great system, and, and he's kind of been trying to work out and see what he what he can do, but. Overall, he looks very smooth. It does not look like he's doing a lot that too much on the field. So I, I like the shorter pick. We'll see where he can go. But from what Bean has said, he thinks that he can definitely 
get a jersey on this year and definitely at least be on special teams. And after that, you know, it's all up to him and kind of what he can do going forward. We're going to take a quick timeout. Hour number three on the way after this quick timeout. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday, and this is WGR.